0: and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, why is humility so difficult for us? You know, we have a lot of jokes in my family about humility. Um, My family's really sarcastic, and sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's not. But we we would always joke about humility, and and one of the things that always sort of bothered me about humility was that it's one of these things that as soon as you feel like you have it, you've lost it. And there's something about that I don't like. I really like control. I really like knowing that I've accomplished something. Um, That's why I've always... Work-wise, I've always sort of loved manual labor, because at the end of the day, you can say, look, I've done this thing. But with humility, we work all day to try to be humble, and the next morning we wake up and we're the same proud person. Humility is super difficult, and it's a single, simple truth that we're going to talk about tonight. But one of the things I'm realizing is that it takes a lifetime of practice. It takes a lifetime of practice each and every day to sort of wrap our brain around humility. And so... The reason I chose Job was in chapter 30. If you know the story of Job, Job basically loses everything. And much of the book is this, this man complaining to his friends uh, about why he may have lost everything. Them trying to offer help and it's not being good advice. And, and Job cries out to God. He says that God has turned on him, that God has attacked him, that God has driven him out, of the, out into the wilderness, that Job has tried to do good, but God doesn't seem to care. The Go- Job has hoped for God's intervention and God has not done anything. In fact, he even says that it's like that God has sent him and made these evil things. And even though it's a little depressing and a little gloomy, it's really honest, isn't it? We all sort of understand and have these moments where we think, God, why? Now, which made me wonder Before we talk about humility to one another, I read this passage and I realize, man, how often, how often in my daily life do I lack humility before my God? How often do I feel like I've been treated unfairly? How often do I complain about being wronged or misjudged? How often have I gone to God and said, I deserve more? God, I deserve to have the answer for this. I've been praying for forever. Just this morning, I was talking to someone who had recently lost lost a loved one, and they said, you know, hey, we're doing well, but the hard part is, is my daughter was praying for so long for healing, and this person still died. How often do we go to God saying, God, I deserve this, what are you doing? And in the book of Job, Job goes on and on, and he finally just has enough, and chapter 30 is the... His complaint, Job had finally had enough with God and basically just lays it out. Now, you can read verses, or chapters 30 to 40, but then 40 is when God finally speaks up. God finally answers Job. <laughs> and it's kind of intense. God speaks to Job in verse two, and he says, will the one who accuses the Almighty correct him? Essentially saying, "Wait, hold on who of you claims to know more than God? (laughs) And Job, I feel like it's like when a kid gets caught in something, like immediately as I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) He says, I'm unworthy, how can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I won't again. I won't say anything else. And God does something that's sort of uncharacteristic. We don't see it a lot in Scripture. Verse seven, brace yourself I'm about to ask you a question, and you're going to answer me. Now, my hope and prayer for you is that this never happens to you. I hope and pray that God never speaks to you out of a storm and tells you to brace yourself. um, Because this would terrify me. And then God goes on and says, wait a minute, hold on, Job. Are are you telling me that I'm not just in verse 8? Are you saying that you want to condemn me, the God of the universe, to justify yourself. To you, Job, verse nine, can you make thunder like this storm? Job, can you clothe yourself in splendor and honor? Can you bring the proud people of this earth down to where they belong? If you can, um, those of you, if anyone in this room can bring the proud down to humble them. There's a lot of world leaders right now who I'd love to see. Let me know if you can. And then he goes on for a few more verses, but the one I want to focus on is verse 14, where God says to Job, basically, can you save yourself, Job? (laughs) How's that gone for you so far? I understand you're complaining. We know that God hears our cries. We know that God hears our prayers, but yet he says to him, hey, can you save yourself? Now, let's put ourselves in Job's spot, and let me ask you, let's ask ourselves, can we save ourselves? You know, this passage in the story of Job is is clearly about the greatness of God and our relationship to God, that God loves us, but still, there's many things we have to remember. And when we talk about humility, humility comes from something like this. Because we cannot think of ourselves too highly, nor do we want to think of ourselves too low. In this world, as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to know where we fit, we need to know our place, we need to know our role. And what's interesting to me, as I read this, and I realize that this is a question that humanity has asked for a very long time. And they're still asking. People want to know, religious or atheist, it doesn't matter, people want to know what their role is in this world. How do I fit, what do I do? What is the meaning of all of this? What is my calling? And as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, if you claim the name of Jesus, we have that answer. This Bible is full of this answer. Now, the simple version is this. God is God and we are not, right? That's the simple answer. But the more detailed answer is that we are God's children. That you and I are made in his image to love and care for one another and the people of this world to know that God is a good father who loves us even though sometimes we may have difficult times. And God has done this and shown us this love through Jesus so that we can love one another. And yet, in our lack of humility, we forget this all the time. We stand for ourselves in pride rather than standing for God in humility. And part of it, I think, is because this world around us is lying to us. The world around us is not telling us the truth. You've all seen it in advertisements and TV shows and movies, whatever. Like, you deserve it. You've worked hard. You know, treat yourself, it's fine. You know, I hear this all the time from people. You know there's this um kind of a the phrase "millennials that sort of encompasses you know twenty somethings all the way into people about my age, and I hear and I've heard people talk about this all the time, there'll be bosses that work for companies who have a someone twenty three years old, twenty four years old just out of college, and they'll go in and ask for a raise, and they'll say, "Well t- okay, well, tell me why you think that. I've been here six months. you know I've, I've worked really hard. How could we go into a job negotiation and say, you know?" hey, I know I don't have any job experience, but I require six weeks of vacation a year. Where does that come from? Why do we think that we're we're so special? The world is actually lying to us. The world is lying to people and saying that you deserve this, that you deserve all the desires of your heart no matter what. We feel entitled. I got my degree. I'm smart. I'm definitely smarter than that other person I work with. Why don't I dot, dot, dot? Why, why can't I have? Da, da, da. We feel entitled to our own way and our own plan. We all think we know the plan. And here we see Job who thought he knew the plan. Everything changed. Job lost everything. He may have even been just in all of his complaints. But he had forgotten his place before the Lord. He had forgotten his place before the Lord and said things about God that just weren't true. We don't know why things happen. We cannot control others. But we need to remember that other people have absolutely no effect on your worship and your relationship with God. No one can take away your relationship with your loving God. No one can stop you from worshiping your God. And as believers, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we are called then, like Job, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. In James chapter four, James writes about this. I think we have it up on a slide. Um, these are f- I think it's on there at, after the Job passage. James 4.1. Is it on there? Well, she'll find it. Great. In James 4.1, maybe? Yeah. James writes, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. We want to stand up. We want to stand up to this world and the lies of the world and the difficulties happening in our life. We bow before the Lord in humility and then God says that he will lift us up. Read through the Psalms. How many of the Psalms talk about being upright before the Lord, standing up straight in a world of wickedness? James tells that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, God will lift us up. If we remember our place in this world as under the authority of a good and loving God who is just and glorious that we will find humility. We can believe more than the lies the world tells us that we deserve something more. Many have believed that lie. Many have even believed that lie so far that they would trample on others to get what they feel like they deserve. That they would lie, they would cheat, they would steal, do whatever it takes because I deserve it. Many people will use things like wealth, power, control, but as we read scripture, we realize that's not for the Christian. That's not for the child of God. We read the story of Job, and we realize that there is a good God. He is just, and only he can clothe himself in majesty, in splendor. So back to this question of humility, then. I want to be humble. <laughs> I, I, I want to figure this thing out. <laughs> How do we do it? Well, let me start with suggesting this. That humility, for yourself, for one another, how we treat one another, it begins in worship. And not just worship on Sunday night singing songs, but every day, how do you live your life? Are you a person who bows low in worship before God? Let me suggest that humility actually starts with your place in submission before God your study, how you speak, how you act? Are you humble with your Lord? Do you start your day with humility, bowing before the Lord? Do you start a big important meeting with humility, bowing before the Lord? Before you go to a conversation with a friend, maybe even a difficult conversation over a disagreement, are you bowing before the Lord in worship? Are you putting God in worship on the throne in majesty Because if we don't do this, humility will be very hard to attain. You know, one of the things that many people, and I confess this as a Christian and as a pastor, that many Christians are guilty of when it comes to our worship is what I would call false humility, right? And and, and it's hard to know. It's hard to know if people are honest. It's hard to know if people really love the Lord. It's hard to know if people are really saying what they believe, Um, but let me just say this, and it says this throughout scripture, but we know it to be true that God cannot be mocked. And between you and your God, God is desiring a, a humility in worship that is true and honest. Not raising your hands so that other people see, not praying on the street corner like the Pharisees so that everyone can hear, you know, not lingering a little bit longer before you give so that other people around you see you, God knows your heart. God knows if you are bowing before him with your whole heart. And don't worry if you struggle with this too because false humility is nothing new. If you think back to Cain and Abel, God saw one's sacrifice as honest and straightforward and one as someone who had held something back and it displeased the Lord. This is a deep, deep sin, this sin of false humility that affects humanity, It affects all of us. Because only when we are in submission to God will we have the strength to humble ourselves in front of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Only when you are humbling yourself before God will you have the power to do all of these things we've talked about in recent weeks. Think about all the things we've talked about. Submitting to one another, serving one another, loving one another, uh, uh, all of these things. We can't accomplish any of these things if we are not first submitting to God in humility. And when we do these things, we gain humility, we learn, we see, we can help carry one another's burdens, we can do all of these different things, but it's not something that we do once and then we have it figured out, right? It starts with worshiping God each and every single day with a proper understanding of who God is, that he is a mighty God who is just. He is the only one who can do these things. Why have we forgotten the great things God has done and allowed ourselves to feel entitled? Why have we forgotten this God and how just he is and we say things or we think things about God that just aren't true? And finally, if there was no greater proof, let us remember Jesus. The only one who actually deserved to feel entitled The only one who actually deserved to have his own desires met because he lived a perfect love for his God and for his friends. The only one who was without sin then submitted himself in worship to God with his very life that we would be raised up higher. Church, will you lower yourself in the same way so that others might know the love and salvation of our God? Because what God gives us through his grace is Jesus's matchless humility. You know, today a student asked me, what does it mean to be made in God's image? I said, that's a really big question. I said, here's a short answer. Imagine God is love, right? So on the scale of zero to God, he's the maximal amount of love. And on the scale of of, of zero to creator, he is the maximal amount of creator. And all of the things that God is, God has given us in his image the ability to do a portion of. So God has given us the ability to love a little like he does. Not as much as him, but we can love like God. God has given us the ability to be creative and to create like he can. Not as much as God, but we can create just because God is a creator. We can be compassionate, we can be generous, we can be merciful, and we can be humble the same way our Christ was humble. Not to the same degree. We all have sinned. We all struggle to feel entitled. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, we remember that we have an opportunity, we have an avenue to do the same thing for other people, lifting one another up as servants that we might all be reconciled to God together. Look back at your friend, our friend Job. He did what we all do. He got fed up and he had had enough. He went to God and said, "You know what? Here's what I think. But we also know the story of Jesus. And when we look at these two, we are much more like Job than Jesus, aren't we? But I love the story of Job because we can understand him. We all have times where we maybe forget the things God has done. But let me remind us, in Romans chapter 12, um, Paul wrote this. um, For by the grace given to me, Every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. God has given each of us a measure of faith through Jesus Christ that we would know these things to be true, that we would conquer this sin of entitlement and false humility in our worship, that we can live with humility, standing upright in a dark world because it is God who has brought us upright from a position of worship not ourselves, and it all starts, I really believe this, that all humility really starts with our worship. Friends, we need to go to God, we need to bow before our God, we need to remember the things God has done, who he is, and then when we walk away into this world, God brings us upright that we can stand for his truth, his grace, his love, and then we actually have the Holy Spirit to do the things we're talking about, submitting to one another, loving to one another, serving one another, bearing one another's burdens, all these things, and then, and in that place of our worship, and in our humility before God, we find our, our, our true place in this world as children of God. We don't have to wonder, where do we fit in? Where do we come from? What do we do? Our worship reveals to us that we are, in fact, God's children, who he loves and enjoys, and my hope and my prayer for us is that as we worship again, not just here on Sunday nights, but each and every day, that we would be reminded of this over and over and over. I'm gonna invite the musicians forward right now. Um, and as we go into this first song uh, and responding, you know, one is uh, a song a bit more of reverence, a bit more of contemplating these things, and then the second song is a bit more rejoicing in the goodness of God. And so I'm going to challenge us together. During this first song, as we sing and think, um, I want to challenge you to think of an area this week. Think of an area this week in your work week, in school, wherever you find yourself, that you can give and worship to God. As we fall face down before our God and then rejoice in his goodness. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, the band is going to lead us in music. God, thank you. Lord, for this truth, for the gift of worship and for who you are. I pray that you would lead us and guide us to know more of you and to trust you with all we are. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.